4. Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, from verse 25 down to verse 34. Some of you know this episode is a, 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 an issue within an issue, a story within a story. The Lord Jesus has uh, now come to the other side of uh, the sea and he has been approached by a man who's got a 12-year-old daughter who is at the point of death and the Lord Jesus is going with that man for his daughter's sake and a crowd has begun to gather around him. We pick up in verse 25. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for 12 years and had suffered many things from many physicians, many doctors. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus, immediately knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? And he looked around to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. Let's pray once more. Lord God, let no one here today wait until they think they're better or ready. May none be left in doubts and fears. But may each one of us come this day because of Christ to lay hold upon him, that those who come for the first time may lay the finger of faith upon the Saviour and find in him that healing virtue which will bring life to their dead souls. O God, in your mercy, work among us now, we pray, to strengthen faith and to grant it where it's lacking. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Many people today will say that they have faith... But what is the faith that saves? What is the faith that saves your soul from sin and from death and from hell? It's not enough to say that you believe. Who do you believe? What do you believe? Upon whom do you rest? The faith that saves is a faith that comes to Jesus Christ and that lays hold upon Christ, that clings to Jesus Christ. It's the faith that is patterned for us in the behaviour of this woman of whom we've just read, who had a flow of blood for 12 years. And I want to look at her experience primarily as an illustration of faith, a healing of her body paralleled by the healing that we find in our souls when we come like her to the Lord Jesus in order that we may obtain the blessing that we need. 
It's an encouragement then concerning that faith. It's an encouragement to you who may be in something of the situation that this woman was. And I pray that some of you will be. And it's an encouragement to us who may have the faith that this woman finally demonstrated and which was honoured by Christ when he said, your faith has made you well, go in peace and be healed of your affliction. So some of us may be saying, well, yes, this is what I need. This is what I desire. And I trust if that's the case, that you might see in the way that this woman comes to the Lord Jesus, an example and an encouragement to you to come and put your hand upon Christ that you may be made well. But for others of us, it may be that we are looking back and saying, yes, that is the way that God has dealt with my soul. Those are the blessings that he has granted me. I remember that. And I am stirred up again to consider the excellence and the beauty of the Christ who has done such wonders for my soul. So we'll begin with the need that the woman had. The need that the woman had. And Mark is brief and he is blunt. She'd had a flow of blood for 12 years. She'd suffered many things from many physicians. She'd spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. That's not a great summary of your life, is it? Twelve years of your life, even. A flow of blood. Her body had been bleeding. She'd been menstruating heavily, the sense is, for twelve years. That makes her unclean in the eyes of men in this culture. It makes her unclean in the sight of God according to the law. And Mark drives home the impact of this upon her spiritually and physically. It's a a very brief description, but it carries us to the depth of the disease and its consequences for this poor woman. As we've said, she's unclean. She's cut off from God and men. People would not have wanted to touch her or have had anything to do with her. She cannot go up to the temple. She cannot go into the synagogue. She's exhausted. Twelve years. Her lifeblood's been draining out of her. Twelve years, weakened and enfeebled by this condition. She's disillusioned. She's been to the doctors and she's suffered many things. Some of you know what it's like to be treated with a a medication or a a treatment. He said, this is worse than the disease. I know it's meant to make me better, but right now I'm not enjoying the experience of being made well. Well, this woman has suffered many things. Perhaps she's been told that the latest treatment is the thing for her. Or someone has said, we've got an experimental medicine that we can try. She's been poked and prodded. She's been made to eat things and not eat things, perhaps. She's tried every fad going. She may have been the kind of woman today, she'd have been saying on Facebook, yeah, this is my affliction. What do you all think I should do? 500 different people send in 500 different pieces of advice, and she's persuaded that one of them might be the answer. She's been to every doctor in the place. She's been to every physician that she can think, and all it's done is to increase her suffering without actually moving forward her circumstances. Now she's bankrupt because the doctors wanted payment. Every time she tried something and it didn't work, her money was paid out, her resources diminished, and now there's nothing left. She has spent every penny that she's got trying to get better, and now she's worse. Can you imagine what it's like to be under those circumstances? 
to make such investments, to have your hopes raised and dashed by charlatan after charlatan, to have your hopes raised and dashed by expert after expert, not saying that these doctors hadn't ever healed anybody else, but they can't heal her. It's a picture of devastation. She has absolutely nothing left. And it's no poor picture of the circumstances of our hearts and perhaps your heart this morning. You are unclean because of sin, unclean in the sight of God and you cannot come to him. Perhaps the particular sins that you commit are disrupting other relationships as well. Perhaps there's distance and damage done between you and a husband or a wife or a father or a mother, between you and your friends. The way that you behave and the consequences of it mean that people either don't want anything to do with you or are drawing back on account of it. You may have been exhausted. You may be exhausted spiritually. You might have tried for years to overcome your sin. I can do this. I can make this better. I can sort myself out. You're disillusioned because you've suffered many things. I am staggered by the things that people will do in order to try and find peace for their souls rather than take what God offers. It's like Naaman, isn't it? Go and just dip seven times in the Jordan. It's all you've got to do. What, that? Not me? Aren't the rivers of Damascus better than this stinking stream? I'll do this. I'll do... And his servant said to him, Master, you'd have done some great deed. I mean, you're the mighty Naaman. You're the commander of the armies of Syria. If they told you to fight your way through a troop of enemies, if they told you to conquer ten cities and you'd been healed, you'd have done it. And there are people who will do all manner of things. They will afflict themselves horribly in an attempt to find some kind of peace of conscience and blessing of soul. They're bankrupt, spiritually bankrupt, some of them financially as well. Again, the, the kind of spiritual pyramid schemes, the payments that people make, those self-help books that you can buy, they're not cheap. The, the systems that you can invest in, the drugs that you can purchase, and deteriorating. It's not getting better, is it? It's getting worse. Are you in that position now? Do you remember being in that position? Some of us do. Weary, weak, suffering, exhausted, disillusioned and deteriorating. It's getting worse rather than better. What a painful path this poor woman had walked. But it was the path that she must take in order to reach the point at which she is ready to seek and meet Jesus Christ. Now, does that mean that we would wish this measure of suffering on anyone? No. No, we wouldn't wish it. But if this is what it takes to bring you to Jesus Christ, it is worth it. And some of us would testify from experience that if the Lord God, in his great kindness had not been ready to grind us down to the point at which we felt the way this woman felt, we would never have come to the Lord Jesus. You see, the Lord Christ didn't come for the righteous, did he? He came for sinners. And it's those who are sick and know they are sick 
who look for the doctor. That's what this woman was doing. And the doctors have been no help, the doctors of this world. Now she is at last primed for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm not saying that you need to be brought to this abject depth of woe. But I do pray that God by his spirit would bring you low enough that you know that you need a saviour. And if you're too stubborn and if you're too proud and if you're too hard, then perhaps God in his mercy will bring you lower and lower and lower still because he loves you and because he must humble you before you can be healed. My friend, it is necessary that you and I be emptied of self before we can be filled by the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And that's what this poor woman had reached. She's broken. There's nothing left. It's worse rather than better. And this is the need then that she has. The second thing I want you to observe this morning is the saviour that she needed. Because praise God, he is near at hand. And isn't it wonderful that just as she comes to the point of her most desperate need, that's the very moment when it, it so happens that Jesus walks into town. And how often again we have found in the compassion of God that beautiful drawing together of those particular circumstances. You see, it's Christ himself who is at the centre of this story. You notice, especially in verse 27, when she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. She heard about him, she came behind him, she touched his garment. Everyone else has failed her. Every other option has come to nothing. Every other avenue has been closed off. And now Christ alone is the remedy for all her ills. And it's a fearful thing, my friends, but sometimes we need to get desperate enough to try Jesus Christ. We're so stupid and we're so stubborn that we will try everything else but the God who made us and is willing and able to deliver us. And it's a beautiful language here, because the Lord Jesus Christ has this power in him. He is full of virtue in the old translation. There's this healing strength in Jesus Christ, this plenitude, this fullness of grace. He is incarnate God. He is the one who has come amongst these people in order to do them good. We, we've seen it in Luke's gospel as we've been reading through how he goes out preaching and teaching and healing. We've seen his mercy and his might. We've seen as we've been singing Jesus full of pity joined with power. Not just someone who feels sorry for you but can't do anything about you. Not just someone who can do something for you but doesn't care for you but one whose compassions and whose might are equal, infinite, because he is the God-man himself. And it is this Jesus, in all his pity and power, this Son of God who has now come into this town, who is the object 
of faith in all its stages and degrees. The faith that saves comes to this Jesus and to no other. It may be very weak, it may be very feeble, it may be unclear, it may be mixed with doubts and fears as it was in this poor woman, but it is Christ now upon whom her gaze is fixed. It is Jesus of Nazareth, the saviour of sinners like us, upon whom she now looks and the faith of a child of God is fixed on the son of God the faith that saves is a faith that clings to Jesus Christ and that my friend is why it's so important that you should know about him so important that you should hear of the Lord Jesus Christ tell me if you're a Christian what is an aid to your faith what makes it pure and clear and strong and clean and vibrant and vital and sustaining? Is it when Christ is clouded before you? Was it back when perhaps you didn't know so much about him? Or as you have heard him preached, as you have read of him set forth in the scriptures, as you've studied perhaps books of varying kinds that have spoken to you about the Lord Jesus, hasn't that been when your strength has been faithened, faith has been strengthened, when your, your joy has been increased? It is Christ. It is Christ who is the object of our faith and the better that you know him, the more clearly that you see him, the more ardently that you love him, the more firmly that you cling to him, the better things are with our souls. I want to ask then not only have you reached at least something of the point that this woman reached, where she knew that in herself and in her immediate circumstances she was hopeless, but have you yet grasped that only the Jesus of the Bible, the Jesus about whom you've already read with me this morning, the Jesus whom I now proclaim to you, this man who walked the earth some 2,000 years ago, who came from heaven, the very Son of God, taking flesh and blood, full of mercy, full of might, marked by compassions, a God who went about doing good in the form of man, who laid down his life for us in the greatest act of mercy and compassion that this world could ever know, a power that is sufficient in him to save all his people from their sins. The same Jesus who rises again from the grave, who ascends to the right hand of the majesty on high, and who now lives interceding for those people upon whom he set his love both delivering them and keeping them have you understood that no one and nothing else is able to do your soul good what would you think if the news came back in the light of our sister's recent diagnosis don't worry they put a plaster on it What if you went to the doctor with some terrible disease and he said, it's all right, here's a bit of soap, go home and have a wash with this. He said, but the, the, the disease is in here, don't worry, we'll just clean you up on the outside. But the pain is terrible. Well, let's try and manage the pain. My friends, Christ can take away the pain. 
Christ can heal the inward disease. Christ can make the wounded whole. He can make the dead to live. Have you realised that Jesus and Jesus only is able to save you from your sins, able to bless you, qualified, willing and able to accomplish this so great salvation? See, the disease you have points you to the saviour you need. You may not be as openly and as evidently troubled as this woman was, but if in your soul you know yourself to be lost, diseased, if you're disillusioned and devastated, if you're trying to make life better and it keeps getting worse, do you understand that Christ, Christ only can save you and he is full of pity joined with power so how does this woman with the need she has come to the saviour that she so desperately needs let's look thirdly and lastly at the faith that she demonstrated and I want you to watch with me now as this woman comes to Jesus Christ and to see the way that faith advances as she comes to him what is the first stage Verse 27, she heard about Jesus. It's very simple, isn't it? How wonderful. This woman who'd found no help anywhere else, this woman who'd found no healer anywhere else, heard about a helper and a healer. Heard about a man who could do good. Heard about a man who, even at this very point, is going to a girl 12 years old at the point of death. And everybody's going along because they're expecting that they're going to see another miracle where he's going to bring, if not quite as they eventually discover life from death, they're at least going to see someone who's at the point of death restored to health and strength. And this is the Jesus who is near at hand. He's right here in town. He's walking through the streets. The great healer has arrived and he's within reach. Uh, Friends, if I could do that still today, physically, if I could tell this town that standing in Maidenbower Square at midday today will be a man who can touch anybody and make them well from any disease i mean let's be honest half of us would probably be in that line wouldn't we what about the rest of crawley can you imagine the 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 gridlock that there'd be within hours if i said look from now until one o'clock there's somebody who's standing over there and he can make anybody well but there's someone who's being proclaimed here who can make sinners well from their sins Someone who can take away all your, the ugliness of your soul and all the, the transgression of your heart and turn away the wrath of a holy God against your sin. She knows then that this man is here. And she's heard, I think, not just that what he can do, but she's heard of his kindness. What if I said, there's a great healer over there and he's going to shoot you if you get too close? Well, now we've got a problem. You've been to doctors, haven't you? They don't care about you. They've got no time for you. So dismissive and careless. Trying to rush you through. Some of them don't have time to see all the patients that want to see them, but not Christ. He's got time for everybody. Kindness, compassion, mercy and might. His whole history 
as this woman begins to hear some of it, begins to stir hope in her soul. What did we read in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17? Faith comes by hearing. Here's the first stage. She heard about Jesus. Now, have you got that far? I think everybody here this morning has got that far. You've heard about Jesus of Nazareth. You've heard about him even today. I've given you only a scant outline of who he is and what he's done in this sermon. But we've read from Luke chapter 8 before that. We read Psalm 120. If you've been in any number of sermons in this congregation, you will have heard more and more about Jesus Christ. Are you committed to hear more? For some of you, this is where you're at and this is what you need to do. You need to make sure that you are under the ministry of God's good news. Lord's day by Lord's day. You need to be somewhere where you are drinking in the truth as it is in Jesus. Where Christ in all his beauty is held up before you. Where as it were the, the gem of God's grace in Jesus Christ is turning before you on the display table. So that the light glints off every facet. What a tragedy to hear about Christ and to say, nah, not bothered. Not for me. Don't need him. Don't care about him. Can do very much without him. Not this woman. And I plead, not you. She heard about Jesus. You remember that, Christian? Some of you can remember the day you heard about Jesus. You might never have heard of him before. Or you might have had some vague and strange idea of him. One of the tragedies when we go out on the streets and knock on the doors. You ask people, do you know anything about Jesus? Oh yes, they say. Ha ha, tell me, you respond. And within moments you've got your head in your hands. You, you, you've not heard of the Jesus who lives at all, have you? You've heard weirdnesses and fables and people who don't believe in him at all. Who've got no knowledge of him, of pretended to tell you things about him but Christian you heard of him once didn't you perhaps you were brought up under the sound of the gospel and you'd always heard about him perhaps there was a time when you picked up a bible for the first occasion as you opened the pages there was this man set before you and you heard about Jesus Christ what came next she came behind him in the crowd she came behind him in the crowd. She knows he's there, and now she wants to get close to him. Now she sidles up alongside him, incognito. Parents, you know how easy it is to lose your child in the crowd? You're thronging hordes as you make your way through a, a London station or something like that. You thought you had your kid, and all of a sudden the hand goes, you look around, and there's just a mass of people. That's the kind of multitude thronging that is around the Lord Jesus as he walks through the town. And for her, at this point, it's the ideal opportunity. She can get close to him without anybody else really thinking, really knowing. She, she, she's hidden in the mob. And she seems to feel that she's already doing something daring. She came behind him in the crowd. She's not even face to face with the Lord at the moment. She's manoeuvring her way, trying to get close behind him as she can. 
There seems to be some, some drawing back on the one hand, but on the other she's still focused because this is the man that she's heard about. This is the healer who can do her good. Now bear in mind that there are already people in this crowd who are physically closer to Jesus than she is. There'll be people who are elbowing him and who are knocking him, who are banging into him and bouncing off him as he makes his way through the throng. But she's aiming at him. Have you got so far? Have you heard enough about Jesus Christ that you would desire to get close to him? Speaking to somebody just this week, he said they've, they've found a church that they can go to. And they said, for particular reasons, it's, it's big enough that no one knows I'm there. There are people like that, aren't they? You may have been in that position. I, I just wouldn't want anybody to, to talk to me. I know people who go to church for the first time. I don't want anybody to talk to me. That'd be terrifying. That'd be awful if someone actually knew I was there. But if I can just slip in, if I can just listen to what's being said. Today people perhaps listen online for a few weeks or even months, don't they? I can, I can do this incognito. Nobody knows I'm there. At worst or best, I'm just a, a tick in the box. I'm one of a number of people who happen to have logged in over a certain period of time. There's a tragedy here. that there are a lot of people bouncing off and bumping into Jesus Christ who had no regard for him. You can do that. You're here this morning. Christ is present in his word. Are you just bouncing off him? Are you going to bump into Jesus, the saviour of sinners, again, but without faith, without trust, without hope? Some people are happy enough to be in the crowd and satisfied with that only. Ready to do a bit of religion, maybe now and again, they're happy to be in the crowd around Christ, but not this woman. She's heard about him, and now she's coming behind him. She wants to get close to him. She's got her eyes fixed upon him. But try to follow someone in a crowd. Helps if perhaps they're a little bit taller, maybe distinctive headgear. See those guides, don't you, in the, the busy London streets holding up a brightly coloured umbrella or something? Christ is... To all intents and purposes here, an ordinary man, but she's got her eye on him. As the crowd washes around and as the, the throng ebbs and flows, she keeps her eyes fixed upon Christ. And she's closer and closer and closer. She's heard about him. She comes behind him. And then she touched his garment. If only I may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. The sense is, just if I can make contact with him by some means. She's not superstitious at this point, I don't think. There's a sense here, I just need to get in contact with Jesus Christ and everything will be well. You see how different this is from those who are just bumping into him and bouncing off him in the crowd. This is the touch of faith. This is a hand that reaches out, even trembling, and lays hold of the hem of the garment of the Lord Jesus. But it is deliberate. If I can touch the hem 
of his garment only, I shall be made well. See the confidence that she's now got? She's heard about this Jesus. She knows what he can do. She's come close enough to touch him. And now she reaches out and lays hold upon the Lord. Now, have you got so far? I know you've heard about him because I've told you about him already today. I know you're close to him, at least in the sense that he is being proclaimed here. And some of you perhaps have begun to come after him. You've got your eye upon him. You're keeping track of the Lord. But have you reached this point? Have you reached out even with your trembling hand to lay hold of the garment of the King, the Saviour, the Redeemer of the sinful? You notice here that she didn't have to rugby tackle him. (laughs) She didn't have to jump on him and grab him. The finger of faith laid upon the Christ who saves brings healing. As long as you can get hold of Jesus, that's what's important. It's not the strength of your grasp, my friend, it's the strength of the Saviour. If you have him, then all will be well. You may be trembling. You may be troubled. You may even come, as the hymn writer says, with doubtings and with fears. But have you understood that Jesus and Jesus only can and will save sinners like you? Like you this morning. Have you acknowledged that there is a need that you have of a saviour? And have you seen that Jesus is the saviour that you need? Have you heard about him? Have you come after him? And if you haven't yet done so, will you this very moment... Lay your hand upon the Lord Jesus Christ and find in him that healing virtue and that saving power. You see, this is salvation. And yes, it is simple. And yes, it is sweet. Faith's faintest touch receives its full reward from the compassionate Christ. I know that I shall be made well if only I touch his clothes. Verse 29 Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. I don't know if you've ever had a certain kind of affliction for so long that it becomes normal to you. I remember going back a while now and I'll simplify it for the sake of the illustration. I had a crack in my tooth. The dentist could just about tell that there was a problem, but it wasn't obvious enough or big enough. He said, I can see that it's uncomfortable, but I can't see what I've got to do. For weeks and then for months, the pain was there. It was always there. You get used to it being there, don't you, some of the pain? That's what it is. It's what it's like. Eventually, one evening just before I was due to fly to America to preach at a conference, I mean just before, my wife had made me, I believe, was it a sausage wrap? Sweetheart, you remember that? I think it was a sausage and egg wrap to steal me for the upcoming journey. And I bit into it and the tooth shattered. And I thought, ah, that's what it is. (laughs) 
When I got to America, they, they found, even though it was, I think it was the 4th of July when I arrived, but they found a, a, a dentist who'd worked for the American Air Force who was a Christian. And he just started his practice in that part of the, the country. And he opened up his practice for me on the 4th of July, and he went to work on the tooth. And then he gave me this whacking great dose of painkillers. And I remember waking up in my hotel room the morning after that, Tuesday morning, and going, is that what it feels like? Is that what it feels like not to feel that pain? Is that what it's like not to have that burden? This woman didn't feel that over the course of 48 hours. This woman didn't even feel that over the course of 48 seconds. She touched Jesus Christ and she said, I'm better. I'm better. You have a portrait of this in Pilgrim's Progress. When the, the man is climbing up the hill to where the cross stands at the top. And he's still got that great burden on his back. Whether or not this is... Uh, I think probably in, in terms of the imagery, I think this is probably the moment of realisation of what Christ has accomplished for him. It's perhaps the moment when the assurance comes or the joy of sins forgiven is felt. But there's a point at which he grasps the cross and the cross being grasped, the burden comes off and rolls down the hill and disappears into the darkness at the bottom. Do you know that? Do you know the sense of the burden of sin lifted? This woman would, can you imagine the look on her face? Twelve years and I'm well. Twelve years and the pain and the weakness is gone. Twelve years, one touch. And this man has made me well. The healing is immediate. She's still a little agitated, isn't she? She'd like to draw back into the crowd and be lost in the noise. But Christ won't permit that. He turns around and he graciously deals with her. Who touched me? You understand why the disciples think this is a nuts question to ask. Look at the crowd around you. There are lots of people bumping into you and bouncing off you and you're going to ask who touched you? Do you not think the Lord Jesus knows the difference between someone who bumps into him accidentally and this touch of faith by which a woman is saved? No, there's power in me, and that power has gone out in response to faith. I like the way Mark tells it. He looked around to see her who had done the... He knows, doesn't he? He's not ignorant. I want to see the woman who touched me. Oh, come on, Lord. I mean, look, how are you going to tell who's done what in a crowd like this? No, there's a lady who's come. She's laid her hand upon me. She's been made well. She came, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her. And she came and fell down before him. She told him the whole truth. This is who I am. This is what has happened to me. This is what I needed. This is how I came. It is you whom I have touched. And all is well. Daughter, your faith has made you whole. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. 
What a wonderful declaration. And my friends, Christ speaks the same to every sinner who comes even this very moment. You do not need to wait. You've heard about him. You're near to him. Touch him now. Lay your hand upon Christ. By your faith you will be made well. For in him is pity joined with power. He is willing. He is able. Doubt no more. And then you can go in peace. This woman didn't start in peace. She started in the deepest of distress. She'd reached the lowest point. She walks away. Peaceful, joyful, happy. I am well. And you can do the same. And you should bear testimony too to what Christ has done for you. You should be baptised if you put your faith in Jesus. Now, some of you want to do that. There's somebody else here this morning who's trusting in Jesus and thinks they, they can remain undercover Christ would have you stand up and say, I am his and he is mine. He has done me good. We're ready to baptise God's people that they may follow Christ openly. And you may be sitting here this morning saying, I recognise this. I remember hearing about him. I remember getting close to him. And I remember the day that I touched him and was made well. My friend, if that is your experience, you are well. And you should praise God and you should testify openly that this is your Jesus and this is your Saviour. Some of you may be here this morning and you've just heard enough about him to know that there's help for your soul. Press on. Get close. Lay hold. Some of you have heard about him and you've been getting close to him. Don't stop there. Don't stay within arm's reach of Christ without touching him. Some of you, I pray, perhaps even this day, this very moment, may now be laying hold upon this Jesus. Remember, it's not how well you are to start with. All the fitness he requires, all the suitability he requires is that you should feel your need of him. It's not how strong your hand is when you lay a hold upon him. It's the healing virtue that is in the Christ of God to save you from your sins. So you come. Having heard, you come. And having come, you trust. Trusting, you are made well. And you go in peace.